Yeah. All right. You with me? Yesterday I was at Taco Bell with my, with my daughters, and we're, we're sitting there, and, uh, oh, they're, they're here. Okay. <laughs> and we're eating tacos, and we're just getting done, and I was, um, we were on our way to, back to the church here for something. And I, I said, Susie, my, my oldest, says, my, my third daughter, actually, she says, she says, Daddy, Sally and I are working on our New Year's revolutions. And I say, well, give me girl power. I gave you the fist, right? Do we got to? <laughs> there it is. Girl power. New Year's revolution, man. And I'm like, yeah, my kids are going to overthrow the government in 2018. Sweet. You know, like this whole thing. But it, you know, it got me thinking. It was something that actually was a confirmation in my spirit because God had been speaking to me about some of this, uh, let's just use the word status quo. When I say the word status quo, do you know what I'm talking about? Right? Kind of the way things have been and the way things are. And uh, one of the things I did throughout most of my life was make New Year's resolutions. And some years I did pretty good. And other years it looked a little bit more like that video that we just saw, right? But let me just walk you through something this morning. Resolution, the definition of a resolution is this. A tradition in which a person resolves to change an undesired trait or behavior to accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their life. That sound about right? Okay, so, but resolutions have been around for a long time. The Babylonians made promises to their gods at the start of each year that they would return borrowed objects and pay their debts. So all the way back to the Babylonians, they were doing this. Many Romans in, in Roman times began each year by making promises to the god Janus, for whom the month of January is named. So the Romans were doing this at the beginning of, of their year as well. In medieval times, the knights took the peacock vow at the end of the Christmas season each year to reaffirm their commitment to chivalry. All right? And then moving up through the ages, uh, many, how many of you went to watch night services at churches growing up? How many of you did that? Okay, a bunch of you. How many of you liked, did you like those? They were good. And a watch night service was simply that. You get together with a bunch of Christians, you worship, you do a little sermon thing, and then everybody would make resolutions. They would take time for this. I remember sitting in church, and I'd have my little notebook out, and I'd be like, okay, God, what, what am I going to do different this year, you know? And, 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 you know, I'm 10 years old or something, so I don't know how much sinning I was actually doing, but, you know, my resolution was to, you know, not eat as many Twinkies or whatever. I don't know, like some weird thing. But I remember everybody would make these New Year's resolutions. And I remember through the years, I, I wasn't very good at keeping them. And even though it was a, a good idea, I think, to want to improve, one of the things that God began to challenge me with over the last couple of weeks, especially in light of our sermon series that we've been doing about getting unstuck. We've been talking about getting unstuck, how sometimes in life we... We just keep bumping up against the same problems, and we don't ever seem to quite move on, right? And I know some of you, we've talked about this, some of you have expressed some frustration in certain areas of our life. How many of you even today would say there's certain, there's certain areas of our life that you're kind of tired of hitting your head against the same problem or against the same wall over and over? Anybody like that? Okay. So most of us have some areas in our life that I believe God would say, hey, let's get unstuck and move on. We talked previously about freedom, right? How many of you know that 
it, the Bible says it's for freedom that he set you free, right? Like the, why Jesus came wasn't so you would be stuck and maintaining the status quo over and over, but actually to set you free to move into new areas, for you and I to move into new areas where we've never been before. How many of you would love for 2018 to be like a new frontier for you? <laughs> right? How many of you would love 2018 to be like blazing a new trail, right? One of, the, one of the pictures prophetically that God has given to my mind is this idea that like in the old days when they would travel with wagons, you know, wagon wheels pulled by horses, and in the, in the dirt, the, the road would just simply get to be two troughs, two deep ruts where the wagon wheels would go. And you can almost imagine how hard it would be to actually get that wagon out of that, those ruts and onto some new ground. And I feel like in the, in, in the prophetic realm, in, in this area of getting unstuck, that God wants to come in and fill in those ruts in your life and allow you to get into some new paths and some new areas. And he began to speak to me in this area, especially this confirmation yesterday with my revolutionary girls, was that the resolutions, you know, lose 10 pounds or do this little thing or change, you know, they're okay, but... I felt like God began to really quicken in my spirit the difference between resolutions and revolution. Revolution is, by definition, a revolution is a sudden, radical, or complete change. Right? And I began to be quickened in my spirit thinking, God, you would love for us to see some sudden and immediate changes. Right? Radical Radical, like it has to do with revolutionary stuff. Like, like the, how many of you know if you're going to have a revolution, you can't just do things the same way all the time? You know, I don't know if you're watching the news right now, but actually in Iran, there are hundreds of thousands, some say millions, of people in the streets that have revolution on their mind. They're actually sick of the ayatollahs and the religious, you know, the, the, the religious ruling class and all that. And the, the people rising up, and there's a spirit of revolution in Iran. And I would just encourage you, pray for the people of Iran. That they would have some sudden and radical and complete changes. Wouldn't it change the whole scope of the world if that radical Islamic reign of terror in Iran was all of a sudden flipped on its end? And all of a sudden, that nuclear Iran thing and all that, the Hezbollah and the terrorists, all of that would begin to shift and change. How many of you love to see our world have that change in 2018, right? See, and I believe that God wants a revolution. And here's the amazing thing. We have Americanized and Western-culturized Jesus. Oh, my word. Do you guys realize how much of a radical and a revolutionary Jesus actually was? You know, he came on the scene, and immediately he's knocking heads with who? The religious ruling class. He began to knock heads with the status quo. And he began to say, hey, everything you're doing, do it different. <laughs> right? I mean, basically, I could sum up his gospel teaching in that. You know, don't you know, the Sermon on the Mount and everything he spoke of, it was basically turning this whole thing upside down. Everything you think is the way to do it is actually not the way to do it. You talk about a revolution. Jesus was the most radical revolutionary that ever walked our earth. Because what did he do? He completely turned the world around. And instead of it being about religion, what was it about? Relationship. And instead of it being about works and effort, what was it about? 
grace and the work that he had done, not the work that I do. Are you guys cold? All right, Shannon, do your thing. <laughs> I'm looking at my gal here, and she's like got a blanket on her. I'm like, I like it cool, but, you know, that's just because I am cool. But anyway, <laughs> so Jesus is this radical revolutionary, right? I think it's time that we stop making resolutions and focusing on ourselves and self-improvement and da-da-da. Why don't we commit to 2018 to doing a revolution instead of resolution, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I sense even in your spirit right now that you guys are with me on this, right? I, I really do sense that God is stirring us to, to stop doing things the way we've always been doing them, right? So let me walk you through a couple things today, and uh, I'm going to have to go faster today, or I'll just keep you late, whatever, I don't care. All right, Matthew chapter 11. This is a verse that has gripped me my whole life. Because I'll be reading along in the gospel, and I'll get to Matthew chapter 11, and I read verse 12, and it's Jesus. He's talking about John the Baptist in the context of John the Baptist, the prophet who went before him, to prepare the way for him, okay? So you want to read about John the Baptist? I encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you to read all of Matthew 11 because Jesus starts talking about that there's not been a prophet ever like John the Baptist. (laughs) Think about it. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, these guys all, Moses, all of them pale in comparison to John the Baptist. That's what Jesus says. And he says that John the Baptist was a radical revolutionary, basically, And we kind of know that to be true. Those of you that have read anything about him, he's wearing crazy clothes, he's eating bugs, he's eating honey, he's out in the wilderness, and he's declaring a message that is radical to his society, right? And Jesus is talking about in the context of this radical, revolutionary prophet named John the Baptist. And he says this in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 12. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power in the NASB it says from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force can i ask you a question does that sound like most churches Again, I'm not being critical of any church. I'm just saying the church of Jesus Christ in America. Over the last few decades, we've been so worried about keeping people seekers and not offending anybody. And uh, Man, I'm telling you, folks, and where has it gotten us? Is the church really having any impact on society? Little bits here and there, but overall, we should be changing the whole culture of our nation. And as a result of that, we should be changing the nations of the world, right? So I look at this verse and I go, yeah, that doesn't really sound like too much of what I see or what I've grown up with, right? See, God, Jesus says, listen, you all got to listen up. John the Baptist out, out distances and pales every other prophet before him, and he was just the beginning. <laughs> he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now. In other words, it's not just about what's happened, it's about what's happening, right? See, if we're going to be a part of a revolution that really changes some things, it can't be about our past. 
It can't be about maybe little improvements here and there. You know, I, I don't know. You know, again, the definition is sudden, radical, and complete change. Now, I know I'm speaking to a church of Americans in North America who've been westernized into thinking that the church is a certain way. Okay, I get it, because I grew up in it, and I'm still there. And I am literally trying to shake off the shackles of what I have known and experienced my whole life. See, that's right. I believe that God is calling to us to move into places we've never been before. And I mean that as people, because as people go, so goes the church, right? Because the church is just what? Made up of people. (laughs) If we can get it, if we can start to get radicalized, you know, you hear that word when it comes to Islam and Muslim and terrorists, like these American, you know, teenagers have been radicalized by Islam and and, uh, the, the radical part of Islam. And I look at that and I think, okay, that's really negative and it's horrible when it happens. But I wonder if the word radicalized hasn't been stolen by the enemy when really what God had in mind was that the, hev- the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. See, I believe that God wants to radicalize us, not in earthly and man violence, but how many of you know that that violence that he's talking about is actually directed towards the kingdom of darkness? That God wants to use us to begin to rise up, to take on the forces of wickedness in the high places, right? Next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about this uh, deliverance for today. You know what we're really talking about? We're talking about punching the devil in the face and taking back some things that he's stolen, not only from Christians, but from people around us. Now, I might get in trouble by saying this, but I want to tell you that I think a good portion of people that have psychotic problems, it's actually demonic issues that are going on in their life. Now, I'm not saying there aren't people with depression and medical things and all that. That is all true. But I wonder if we could see through spiritual eyes how much of, of, of people in, in, you know, in hospitals and in psychiatric wards and all this kind of stuff, how much of that if, because, if, okay, we'll just go here. When Jesus interacted with demonic people, how many of you think they looked crazy? Kid throws himself in the fire. The one guy with the chains, he's running around naked. Nobody, I mean, they just look like crazy people, right? Well, crazy can also mean demonic, right? Now, again, I don't know if I'm stepping on anybody's toes or not, but I just want to tell you, I think that if God would begin to radicalize us to see that the kingdom of heaven is something we have to take by force, we have to go into the areas of darkness and begin to bring people out, Charlotte and I were just having a brief conversation, and what does the Word of God say? That we are to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. I think the days of us waiting for people to walk through our door because we've got a nice sign or because we're next to Rosati's is done. We've got to stop thinking that way. See, I believe God wants us to begin to go out and find people and set them free and heal their bodies. Amen? I think it's time for a revolution. Let's do it, right? The kingdom of heaven isn't passive. It's power and purpose. And, and <laughs> if the church looks like our society, we're doing it wrong. If we don't look radically and supernaturally 
supernaturally different in how we love and exhibit God's power. I think we're doing it wrong. So here's a question. What if God is calling you today to something more radical in your life? What if God is calling you and I to a, not just some resolutions and maybe doing a few things different here and there, but actually 180-ing some things in our life? Some of you have heard me tell the story about, about, uh, about David Wilkerson back in the 70s and how he was a pastor of a small church out in Pennsylvania, and God spoke to him. He was watching like three hours of television every night. Like in those days, you know, he didn't have all the cable channels and all that stuff, but he was watching the, the nighttime television. And God said, listen, why don't you turn off the television and spend three hours in prayer with me? And he said, well, God, if this is really you, I'll put my TV up for sale, and it has to be sold by 11 o'clock the next day. Right? You remember me tell the story? 10.59, guy walks in and says, that's your price? Sure, here it is. And he just gives him the money. Pretty soon his TV was out the door, and he's like, uh, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so now he's got three hours on his hands. He begins to pray, and God begins to do some things in him, and he sends him to New York and working with poor people and teenagers on drugs. And long story short, it develops into this worldwide thing called Teen Challenge, which has helped millions, I would say, hundreds of thousands of young people and teenagers and young adults get set free from the grip of drugs. See, there's a man that, that radically changed how he did his life, and God took that revolutionary and created a revolution. <laughs> There's a, some people named John and Carol Arnott. How many of you ever heard of the Arnotts? Anybody heard of them? Okay. So these are the people that were the pastors of, of Vineyard Airport Christian Fellowship, I think they call it at the time. Some of you may have heard of the Toronto Blessing. Well, John and Carol were pastoring this church, and it was this nice little church by the Toronto airport. This was back in the, uh, must have been 80s, right? Early 90s. And God spoke to John's heart one day, and he said, listen, I want you and your wife to take the morning of your day up until noon, so from basically from 9 to noon, he says, I want you to take your morning, and I want you to give it to me. I want you to seek me. I want you to not read books. I don't want you to listen to music, all that stuff. I just want you to seek me. So John and Carol said, yeah, we'll do that. And they began to seek God. They began to go after him. And don't you know, but a few months later, they ran into a guy named uh, Randy Clark, and they invited him to come to their service. And the next thing you know, it's this worldwide phenomenon, this revival movement that just burst on the scene. Where? Toronto Airport Vineyard Christian Fellowship, whatever. That church, their church. And I thought, man, you know, radical choices bring revolutionary results. Don't they? And if you go through history and you look at this, people that dedicate themselves to God, God will actually move. So it goes back to the phrase, right? How much of God do you want? Exactly the amount you have right now. <laughs> right? How much over of God you want, that's how much you get. And what if God is quickening our hearts to say, you know, I think we have a nice building. I think we've got some good people. We've, we're, we're really doing some things I think God has told us to do, and the school is flourishing. But how many of you know that there needs to be a revival, an epicenter here in Gurney like we've never seen before? And I, you know, 
God is calling me to some things this year, and I'm going to be sharing them a little bit more in the weeks to come. But there are some things that God is doing in me to say, listen, big boy, we, we got we to gotta flip some things. We got to go 180 on some things. We got to go all in on some things. And personal things and some corporate things and some directions for the church. But here's the thing. You can't have a revolution without revolutionaries. Right? Folks, there has to be something that stirs up in our heart that says, listen, I don't want status quo anymore. I don't want things the way they are. I don't want there to be just a few miracles here and there, a few prophetic words here and there. How many of you want to see this church to fulfill our destiny of being an epicenter that affects the whole region, right? Let me challenge you this morning with the revolution. Radical, right? Radical. What if God is calling you and I to something bigger than what we know? You know, we talk about being stuck. Maybe you're stuck today because your dreams are too small. Maybe we're stuck because our dreams are too small. We're, maybe there's fear of, of trying something and it not happening. Or maybe there's a, the fear of the unknown and there's a, there's a comfort level with, this is how I've done it, this is how I've prayed, this is how I've sought, this is the things I've done. And God is saying, listen, I think that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always had. And God is saying, listen, I want to increase your dreams. I want to increase your dreams. Just close your eyes for a second right now. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. You may want to just put your hands on your heart. And just ask God this one question. God, are my dreams too small? Are there bigger dreams that you have for me? Are there things you want to do in me, in my school? In my elementary school? In my high school? In my college? Are there things you want to do on my job? In my home? In my neighborhood? Is it time for a radical revolution, God? Oh. Back in 1961, John, John F. Kennedy was elected president, and in his inaugural address, it's one of the most famous lines in really American history. And John looked at the audience that day on his inauguration, and he said this, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. What was he doing that day? He was calling people to something radical. I cannot tell you, I cannot even find a quote that fits better to the church than that. <laughs> There's a lot of good ones in the Bible, don't get me wrong. But, but if you take that and you say, ask not what your church can do for you, what can I do for my church? <laughs> right? Change it again and say, don't say, what can the kingdom do for me? But what can I do for, my, for the kingdom, right? Folks, I'm telling you, as God is my witness, this life is really short. <laughs> it is short, man. I had someone making fun of my lack of hair on Facebook the other day. Can you believe this? They said, what's going on on top of your head? 
And I said, absolutely nothing is going on on top of my head. Right? And then my kids, see, that day my kids had seen a picture of me as a young man. Hey, watch it. <laughs> man, I had a full head of hair. It was dark. And, you know, like I used to go to the barber and the lady would say, wow, you have such thick hair. It's so amazing. She'd make me look good. And now I look and I go, yeah, well, those days are done. How many of you know the days between thick hair and no hair happened really fast? Huh. I want to just challenge us. We've got all age groups here. But life is quick and it moves really fast. And I will say this. I do not want to get to the end of my days in another 50 years. I don't want to get to the end of my days and say, shoot, I wish I'd have done more with my life. I wish I'd have taken those opportunities when the Holy Spirit was quickening me to stop making New Year's resolutions and not fulfilling them year after year and say, Lord, I want a revolution. I want a revolution in my life and I want a revolution in my family and my church and my community and this whole region. You might be careful. I might start preaching here in a second. We, uh, <laughs> my family, the last couple of, well, during Christmas break, we've had some changes in our schedule and all that, and so we had opportunity to, to be at home, and uh, I decided to do a Star Wars marathon. You know what a Star Wars marathon is? You, you just take a long portion of your life and you watch a galaxy far, far away, okay? <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> And it has been really fun because there's, you know how many Star Wars movies there is in a row? No, actually that's not, there's nine. No, there's nine of them. So we're plowing through and we even got Grandma and Grandpa involved in it the other night. It was so fun. And we got to this movie in the middle of this, of this, of the, of the series called Rogue One. Are you familiar with this one, anybody? Rogue One. Some of you, this is a big thing. Rogue One is simply the story of a bunch of radical revolutionaries who gave their lives so that the rebellion against the evil empire could then be successful. And my, my daughter, Sydney, hates it because she likes happy endings. And if you have, I'm on a, okay, spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. All the good guys die at the end of this movie. They all sacrifice their life for something bigger than themselves. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a leader of a church, and I'm a spiritual guy. I can spiritualize anything, right? Any movie, I can find stuff in it, man. And I'm sitting here watching Rogue One, and I'm going, oh, my word. These people willingly gave their life as a sacrifice so that others could then be set free from the evil that is over them. They willingly gave their life and sacrificed their own desires and what they wanted for other people to be successful and for freedom to reign in the galaxy. Oh, again, there, is there a better metaphor for who we are and how we're to spend our lives? Because what did Jesus say? He says, if you're going to come and follow me, you can bring your iPads and your iPhones and you can have an easy life and it's going to be comfy Nope. He looked right at him and said, hey, anyone who's coming after me. See those symbols of death on the side of the road that the Romans hang people on that don't do things the way they're supposed to do? That symbol of death called a cross 
Talk about foreshadowing. He said this before he went to the cross. And he says, listen, if anybody's going to come after me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Folks, we're all destined to die. But what kind of death are we going to do? Are we going to live in fear of, you know, fading into obscurity? Or are we going to say, Lord, I'm going to take up this symbol of death that you actually died on to set the galaxy free. Amen? And I believe that God is really calling us to begin to live our lives different in 2018 than we did in 2017. To begin to say, God, I've been living for me. And I want to start living for you. And I want to start living for others. And I want to stop spending my life. I want to start giving my life. I want to begin to say, Lord, I don't want to ask what the kingdom or the church or somebody else can do for me. Give me, give me, give me. I want to say, God, what can I give to the kingdom? What can I give to the eternity? What can I give my own very life? What can I give so that other people can be set free? Oh couple more things I want to give you today. Some of you were cold earlier today, right? I would say I did that on purpose, but it just, it just didn't have, I'm not quite that much forethought into this whole thing. Do you know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? They sound similar, don't they? But a thermometer actually takes the temperature of something or someone, right? It's just a, okay, that's what the temperature is. That gives you a gauge. That tells you what's going on. But a thermostat, because some of you feel it warmer in here right now, even as I speak. (laughs) I can't, because I'm all worked up up here. (laughs) Come on, church, let's go. (laughs) Me and patience, we're getting warm, cooked up, and we're in it, right? Right? So, a thermostat, though, does what? It does, a therm- thermometer just takes the temperature. But a thermostat actually changes the whole atmosphere. Oh, and we get to choose. Am I going to be a thermometer or am I going to be a thermostat? Is my very presence in a room going to change because of my relationship with Christ and what he's doing in me? Is my revolutionary ideas and thoughts and who I am going to change the very substance and the nature of the places that I happen to be? I want to just encourage you folks. The time is now. The time is now. I just, I feel like 2018, the time is now. How many of you struggle with procrastination? Because uh, I thought some of you were going to say, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think procrastination is probably the bane of our existence, isn't it? Like, it's something that we all struggle with. How many of your to-do lists are longer than 10 items? Procrastination, right there, <laughs> right? Mark Twain once said, never put off for tomorrow what you can do the day after tomorrow. Right? Hmm. But I feel like God is quickening our spirits to stop putting off till Monday. Or after the weekend, I'll I'll get to that or do this thing. Next week, you know, after this gets not so busy. 
I often wonder about David Wilkerson sitting in his living room with no television. You know, just kind of sitting there looking like, what have I just done? Well, you know what, Dave? You did something radical. And you didn't wait till next week, and you didn't wait till next month, and you didn't wait till next year. You actually went out and sold that, 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 that box the next day. And I feel like God, even by his Holy Spirit, is quickening some of us to change some things, not next week or next month or next year, meaning 2019, but this year, to begin to do it now. I read a quote recently that said this, you can't kill time without injuring eternity. I don't know who said it, and I'd love to take credit for it, but I got it from somewhere. But I thought, man, if there were truer words said, I don't know, man. Because you and I both know if we keep procrastinating and we keep pushing it off and we keep waiting for another, that we'll just keep doing that our whole life. I heard someone say one time that the greatest problem that mankind has is in the area of actually getting started. Right? Actually saying, yes, I'm going to do this. I have a friend of mine that, that ran a marathon. Right? Now, I can't, I'm not a runner for various reasons, the knees and whatever and all that. But here's a guy that was my age, and he just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And he gets up the next morning, and he starts running. And he ran like, you know, half a mile and collapsed, you know. And then, but then he did the next day, and he went, you know, three-quarters of a mile. And, then a mile, and he kept doing this until finally, what is it, 24, right? 26.1, right? Oh, my bad. 26.2. He actually completed a whole marathon at the age of 50. And I thought, now there's a guy who didn't wait for the next day or tomorrow or whatever. He said, I'm going to get her done. He's a get-her-done guy, actually. I'm really proud of him. You know what else he did? He went out and bought a Harley. Why? Because he ran a marathon, right? He deserved it. He rewarded himself, right? There's a dude that just said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to wait for next year or some other thing to get a Harley. I'm going to get a Harley right now, right? I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can I just close you with this one thought? Now is the time to overthrow the status quo. Folks, and I, I don't know exactly what God has for us. But I do know this. If we will position ourselves as radicals and revolutionaries, and begin to allow sudden and complete change to come into our lives. I said that wrong. Not to allow it to come into our life, to dictate it in our lives. If you're not content and, and pleased with your amount of spirituality, do something about it. If you're, not content, if, you're, if you're not content or satisfied with the amount of revival in our region, do something about it. If you're not content with the, 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 this church or the ministries or the impact we have on our world, let's do something about it, and let's do it right now. Hallelujah. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Oh. Yes? Can you what? Uh-huh. works in us. It's a good word. Oh, it's a good word. It's, 
to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask or imagine according to what? His power, His power in us. This revolution that I'm, that I'm proposing to us, this radical change, a course of action, is not human endeavor. It's God-inspired. And He has promised that if we will but take the steps towards Him, we will find Him. What does it say? If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Right? Lift your hands towards heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you for the quickening that we feel in our spirit. We thank you, O oh God, that you are stirring us to something different and something radical. Lord, an extreme different than how we've done it. Lord, if 2017 hasn't meet, met our expectations or our desires, Father, I thank you for that frustration in some of our lives that we say, Lord, we don't want another repeat of 2017. We want your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven in 2018, oh God. In each of our lives, in the lives around us. And so we say yes, God. We say yes to the 2018 being a, a revolutionary year for us as people and as a church. And Lord, Matthew eleven twelve will come true in our lives. That the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Let it be so, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.